You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are going to be a lot of great things going on this summer at Collective, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Well, good morning, Collective. My name is Tim Cole, and uh, I am the director of Waypoint Church Partners, the organization that helped this church get started uh, just a little less than five years ago, five years ago, September. It's my privilege to be with you here this morning. I also serve on the collective oversight team, which is a group of six leaders, half from within the church and half from without, that... Uh, that uh, have uh, meetings regularly, and uh, we uh, we talk about budget and um, facility issues and personnel issues. They're, they're exciting meetings uh, that uh, that we have. But I want to encourage you this morning before I get started that you've got great leaders at this church that are overseeing uh, the future and the culture of this church. And so it's something that you can have a lot of confidence in that this is a you got great leadership at this church. And uh, Waypoint Church Partners, we've got a map here of all the churches. And since 1990 alone, uh, we planted uh, 48 churches. Churches, uh, you guys were number 37, and so you've helped us since you launched five years ago. You may not know that you've helped us to launch 11 new churches like Collective around the Mid-Atlantic region, and uh, that's something we're proud of. That's right. The, the two uh, from within the last year, one of them was uh, is Canvas Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. They meet in a movie theater, uh, and I think Kevin McNeil preached here for you last year before he got started, and uh, they meet in a movie theater in Goldsboro. The two churches on that map that my family helped uh, to get started also met in a movie theater, and so my kids don't know how to do church without sticking to the floor, and so they, they, they would feel right at home at Canvas Church. The second church, and Canvas Church in 10 months, not even 12 months, has celebrated uh, 21 baptisms already. And so they're doing a great job with that. Uh, the second church is uh, just launched four months ago in March in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Journey Christian Church. They meet in a brand new roller skating rink of all places, if you can imagine. And uh, they have already celebrated in four months, 13 baptisms as well. And so we're really proud of the fact that our churches like, Can- uh, like Collective and Canvas and Journey are not just about uh, shifting the sheep or shuffling the saints, if you know what I mean, but a place where people can come and experience and find God uh, in a place that's safe and relevant. And so we're really proud of that, that, that we're reaching a lot of new people. And so last year, during uh, the pandemic year, the second pandemic year, uh, their baptisms, along with the 21 baptisms from Collective and all the other ones collectively as a group, uh, we celebrated more than 400 baptisms, 403 baptisms on those, from those churches on the map. And so uh, we're really uh, proud of that. We've got three more churches that you're helping us to start in the next year. Uh, And so you can look forward to news about that. Uh, But if you're interested in talking with someone about what it means to get baptized, uh, I'd invite you to check the box on your digital uh, connection card and someone from Collective will contact you within the next week to talk about what it means to be baptized. And uh, so... um, We've been in this series 
for uh, several weeks about uh, pro tips, kind of biblical wisdom for everyday life. And, and I'm curious as we dive into this, where you get your pro tips from and what, and what kind of the nature of them are. For, uh, for me and personally in my family, all of our pro tips come from YouTube. Uh, I'm on YouTube every night just watching videos until it's time to go to bed. And we live in an, uh, in an old farmhouse up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, 100 year old farmhouse. And so all the pro tips that I'm getting from YouTube are construction related, DIY uh, things. So it's really exciting things like plumbing and electrical wiring and things like that. I asked our 15 year old son uh, if uh, he uh, gets pro tips off of YouTube. And he was like, uh, yeah. And I was like, really? So I'm thinking maybe he's learning about calculus or construction. And I said, what are you getting pro tips on YouTube from? And he says, uh, Fortnite. And uh, so I don't know, anybody Fortnite fans? Uh, so he's got a bright future ahead of him apparently. And uh, so, uh, well, the pro tip that we're talking about today, not from YouTube, but from God's word is the wisdom of kindness. And the Bible teaches us just a ton about kindness from cover to cover, but particularly in the book of Proverbs that we've been in this summer. And before we dive into that, I wanna say a real quick word of prayer that I wanna invite you to say silently as I pray it out loud. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, as we look into your word, would you speak to me personally? Say something to me that I need to hear today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Proverbs has a bunch of pro tips about kindness. Let me share three of them real quick with you uh, to get started. In, in chapter 11, there's one that I really liked. It says, the man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Then later in Proverbs 21, the Bible says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. And finally, at the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, it says, she, this is the godly woman, opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That wisdom and kindness go together. Now, since I get to travel to a different church nearly every week visiting one of our church plants like this one, I had the luxury of only needing one good sermon. And, uh, but the problem is, is that before he went on his Israel trip, Michael assigned me this, uh, this topic on kindness. And I was like, crap, I gotta write a new sermon because I don't have one on kindness. And so luckily, one of our other church planters I saw online a couple of weeks ago preached a sermon on kindness. And I was like, score. And so I emailed him and said, hey, could, uh, could I steal your sermon? And so with his permission, uh, I have kind of adapted his outline to be uh, part of the message that I wanna share with you today about the wisdom of kindness from scripture. And uh, so, uh, so I wanna start off by asking, did any of you uh, during the pandemic uh, of the last two years, but early on in the pandemic when everything locked down, did any of you uh, start uh, like streaming, uh, binge watching any tele old television shows like our family did? I think a lot of people did that. Uh, I made my 15 year old son uh, watch the entire first uh, year of what I would consider to be the absolute greatest television show ever produced. You know what it is? Magnum <laughs> P.I., that's right. He was not impressed. Uh, but um, but uh, I think a lot of us, uh, actually millions of us, got into this new t TV show that was on Apple TV uh, called Ted Lasso. Do we have any Ted Lasso fans? All right. 
There's one of us, one and a half, all right. Well, Ted Lasso, if you don't know, it was originally based on an NBC ad campaign when they earned, actually bought the rights to show the English Premier League on NBC, the English Soccer League. And uh, the concept of the show, if you don't know it already, is this little known American football coach is hired to coach a struggling professional English soccer team called AFC Richmond. But he basically knows nothing about soccer. And uh, so that's the plot of the show. But interestingly, what makes all the players want to want to play for him and that they play well together is not his soccer know-how, but it's his charisma and his sincerity for how he treats them as players. Basically, his kindness. And so if you were to Google on uh, Ted Lasso, you'll find a whole bunch of articles describing how his special brand of kindness is woven into every episode of the show. And many TV critics actually think this is what made the show so popular in the first place because it came out during the pandemic. And that was a time where most of life felt unkind as our country became increasingly divided over the pandemic response and then all the other uh, protests for social uh, justice, racial justice that were happening at the time and all the polarization of politics. And we started treating each other worse and worse during the pandemic, didn't we? Well, we need to discover and implement the wisdom of kindness now more than ever, don't we? So I wanna dive into that day. So let's talk about what kindness is, why it's important and how we do it. So when you hear the word kind, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If you hear the word kind, probably something about being nice or doing something good for someone else, right? And I don't know about what it says about me, but when I think about the first thing about when, but kind, I think about when someone pays for the Starbucks order of the person behind them in the drive-thru line, right? And uh, actually for me, it's kind of strange, but I think every act of kindness involves coffee. Uh, but that's, ju- that's just me. And uh, so if I were to ask each of you to kind of define what you think kindness is, my guess is that most of your answers would be something along the lines of being nice or treating people well. And those, those are all good things. But I think this kind of general or generic understanding of kindness is a little shallow. It misses the depth of what biblical kindness actually means. Which in turn, it makes us, out, it makes us to miss out on the true wisdom and power of kindness in action, biblical kindness in action. And so if you've ever experienced one of those random act of kindness campaigns, like the person in front of you paying for your cup of coffee, what makes that act of kindness so random is precisely uh, that it's something that people don't normally do, right? That's what makes it random. And so interesting is that it's, it's not the norm. But biblical kindness that we wanna talk about today isn't like that at all. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul was giving some pro tips to people for being Christ followers at a relatively new church, kind of like collective. And he includes kindness as part of what he calls the fruit of the spirit. It's in Galatians chapter five. And he makes this list of what a maturing Christ follower looks like. And right at the heart of it, right in the middle one is this word kindness. He said the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so uh, what he's implying here is that for Christ followers, kindness is not an outlier. It's not random. It's something that for us should be the norm. If we walk with Jesus and the spirit of God is working on our lives, uh, then kindness should be something that we're known for. We should be the kindest people on earth. But sometimes, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, we become known more for our harshness than for our kindness, especially on social media, right? 
And I think that at the core of this is that we don't think that kindness is all that essential necessarily or important or urgent or mandatory. We might be called to kind of love our neighbors, but that love for our neighbors can be really general and abstract. And I think what's the disconnect is, is that we don't fully understand what biblical kindness really means. Now, one of the challenges of teaching about a concept like the wisdom of a word like kindness in the Bible is that the words that we have in our English translations uh, don't have a perfect one-to-one equivalent for the original word in the Bible. In this passage in Galatians chapter five, the original Greek word for kindness is this word Christotes. It's an interesting word, Christotes. It kind of sounds like an appetizer on a Mexican menu, right? Christotes. And, uh, but this word has a fascinating uh, depth to it. Uh, it's translated multiple ways in scripture and that's a kind of a problem. It can mean good, gentle, kind. Actually, the word literally means serviceable. Serviceable, kind of like when your car needs a, 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 an oil change. What's that mean? This word Christotes means serviceable. It means that it's something that's good for you, that it serves you. It's, it's something that's good for what you need. Kindness is something that's good for you. For some of us, there's this other familiar passage where Jesus told his followers, he said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And then he finishes by saying, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that word easy is actually the word Christotes. My yoke is easy. And what he's saying is that, that his yoke is not a burden. It won't harm you. That following Jesus is actually good for you. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Peter used it this way later in the New Testament. It's my, it's my wife's favorite, one of my, her favorite scriptures. It's, 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 uh, it's printed on the wall in our, in our kitchen. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what that implies, he's not saying that the Lord tastes good like chocolate, uh, but, uh, but instead he's saying that the Lord is good for you, like carrots or kale or coffee with whipped cream and caramel on top, all right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good for you. It's not just being nice. It's more like having an active disposition toward a person for their good. In the Old Testament, there's actually two words that's translated for us as kindness. The first one is a word chesed. And it can be translated in multiple ways as well. Kindness, love, steadfast love, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, devotion, a lot of different ways. One of the first times it appears in scripture is in Exodus chapter 34, where God is introducing himself to Moses when he gives him the 10 commandments. And, and God says, the Lord, uh, uh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that word love there is the word chesed. It's the word for Christotes, kindness. And it, it's the Hebrew word is one of those that's, that's it means so much more in the original language that we have no really direct equivalent for it in English. Sometimes this word has said is translated as love, sometimes unfailing love or covenant love. Sometimes it's just translated as the word kindness. My favorite translation of the word has said, it's actually translated this way more than 30 times in scripture is the word loving kindness. I don't know, is that one word or two? It's hyphenated. Loving kindness is the word for has said for Christotes. And it's meaning it's not, love is not a feeling, it's love expressed as kindness. There's an element to action 
that love is kindness, or kindness is love expressed. That's what kindness is. Kindness is love expressed. I like how one author put it, kindness is just love with its work boots on. That's what kindness really means. The other word in the Old Testament that kind of tells us what, what uh, kindness is, is the word tav. And it's the same as krestotes in the, in the New Testament. And it means perfectly good. Uh, it's most often, most often translated as goodness, like at the very end of uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd psalm. And that concludes by saying, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And that word goodness is the word tav or the word for kindness. And so it's not just the, the goodness of God is just kind of there, but the active goodness of God, the loving kindness of God will follow me all the days of my life when I follow him. And so you think about all these different concepts, love, graciousness, goodness, goodness that is serviceable, that is profitable for you. If we combine all these words together, kind of our working uh, definition for biblical kindness would be something like this. Biblical kindness is kindness that is an intentional act born out of love that seeks their good. Kindness is an intentional act born out of love that seeks their good. And that's so much deeper, so much richer than just kind of being nice, isn't it? Well, with all that said, I think the challenge is not only that we don't have a full grasp of what biblical kindness is, but we don't understand fully why this kind of kindness has such a divine impact on the relationships, relationships that we have with all the people in our lives. And so I wanna give you very quickly four pro tips to help us grasp why it's essential that we live biblical kindness out, not randomly, but actively every day. So here they are, pro tip number one. First of all, we need to view God as a kind God. We have to view God as a kind God. We often have this broken or distorted view of God, particularly when we look in the Old Testament and we, we, we don't know how to reconcile this picture of God where we see him with his wrath and his holiness and his justice. And that's kind of juxtaposed against the, the love and kindness that we see with Jesus in the New Testament. It kind of feels like this good cop, bad cop thing. And we might believe that Jesus loves us, but God, I'm not so sure. But over and over again in the scriptures, we get the picture painted of who God is. And even in the Old Testament, it points to God's kindness towards us. In the Old Testament, it ties God's love and his kindness together interchangeably. I mentioned that passage in Exodus chapter 24, where God has given Moses the uh, 10 commandments and uh, he's kind of introducing himself to Moses and describing himself. And this is the, one of the passages that's most often quoted by the Bible itself. And so it's kind of God defining for himself who he is. And it's kind of, it's kind of God's business card uh, where he's showing Moses who he is. So he's got this business card and he pulls out his business card and he says to, he could have said to Moses on his business card, the Lord, the master of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, sovereign emperor of mankind, inventor of coffee. Uh, he could have said all these Im really impressive things on his business card, but how does God decide to introduce himself to Moses and introduce himself to mankind? Instead, he, he says, compassionate, gracious, abounding in loving kindness, has said, Christotes, the loving kindness of God. Isn't that fascinating? God's default disposition towards us is kindness. 
which leads us to the next pro tip, that if God's default is kindness, then it naturally follows that we are, uh, we have been the recipients of God's kindness, his divine kindness. So we have to view ourselves as the recipients of God's kindness. And as a pastor for more than 30 years, I've often been very surprised at how many people have kind of a hard time believing that God could really love them. Usually that's based on something that they've done in their past or some things they've done in their past. And they think that God's love is conditional on what they've done, on what you've done, not unconditional. But the Apostle Paul kind of squashed this whole notion when he taught this uh, church, kind of a new church, kind of like collective, when he said in Titus chapter three, at one time, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But, but when the kindness, Christotes, when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. Paul uses kindness to define God's grace. Kindness is a gift of grace from God to all of us, even when we're foolish and disobedient, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did through his son Jesus on the cross. There's this other passage in Romans chapter two that Apostle Paul describes uh, how this works. And it's kind of harsh when you read this. He said, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you're gonna escape God's judgment? It's pretty harsh, this whole passage, isn't it? And then he says, or don't you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, his loving Christotes, his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance, to to transform your life when you remember the kindness of God towards you. I think what the Apostle Paul is uh, trying to say is that if we are Christians, we have experienced the kindness of God. And he's teaching us that we become judgmental towards other people in our lives maybe on social media or in real life, when we forget about God's kindness. So how do we keep from forgetting about God's kindness? I think one way is that we're here every week, that as we worship together every week, we remember God's loving kindness towards us. And we're less less judgmental when we do that. Pro, Pro tip number three, we need to view God's kindness not as a privilege people earn, but as our, our default towards people. Remember, we said that God's default is kindness towards people, but what's our default towards people? If we're honest, for a lot of people in our lives, our default is tolerance, right? Or at best, or maybe it's kind of annoyance uh, or even aggression towards those people, passive aggressive or even aggressive aggressive for some people in our lives. Uh, And uh, the way that we treat people is uh, a response to so many different things. It might be our, our external circumstances. It might be our mood for the day. It might be how other people are acting towards us. It might be the way that we treat others is kind of shaped by our upbringing. If we had parents that were harsh towards people or they were sarcastic or they were short with people, then we kind of accidentally start acting in the same way. But, he, but uh, God says, 
uh, I want to challenge you to operate in a different kind of way, to operate like I do with loving kindness, active, born out of love for their good. Here's how Jesus described it in Luke chapter six. He said, if, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those uh, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you'll be the children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So, here's how he finishes. So be merciful just as your father is merciful. The more we constantly remember and realize how much of God's kindness we are recipients of, the easier it is to see other people in our lives just as other people who need to be recipients of that kind of kindness as well. We receive God's kindness and then we disperse God's kindness. Jesus once told this parable in Matthew chapter 18 uh, that's, that's titled the parable of the unmerciful servant. And when Jesus told this parable, he said there was this king who was collecting on all the debts that everybody, all the servants in his kingdom owed him. And he got to this one servant and it said this, this guy owed him 10,000 talents. And by today's economy, what that would mean is he owed, literally it would mean he owes him over a billion dollars is the amount. And of course he didn't have a billion dollars laying around. And so the king said, well, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna sell everything he has, even his wife and children and throw him in jail until he can pay back everything that he owes me. And the, and the servant uh, pleaded with the king and he said, please be patient with me. I'll pay you back what I owe you. And interestingly, Jesus said uh, that the, the king had, uh, had mercy on him and he, uh, he took pity on him and canceled the debt completely and let him go. Well, then a couple of days later, the same servant uh, ran into one of his buddies at 7-Eleven who owed him, owed him like a hundred bucks. And it said, the Bible says that he took him by the throat and he started choking him saying, give me my hundred bucks back. And he says, I don't have it. Please be patient with me. I'll pay you back. And the servant had him thrown in jail until he can pay him back a hundred bucks. Well, all, of, all the people in town saw what this guy did and they told the king, they tattled on the king. And they said, did you see what this guy did? And the king brought him in and he said to him, you wicked servant, I canceled all of your debt. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Kindness is not a privilege people earn in life. It's our default posture towards people in our lives because, because God has canceled all of our debt. Pro tip number four, we need to view kindness not as weakness, but as strength. We need to view kindness not as weakness, but as strength. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, what's for some of us a kind of familiar passage. He said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the, the other cheek also. And if, if uh, anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, you go with them two miles. A lot of times we hear this kind of familiar passage of Jesus teaching and we think that Jesus is just kind of saying, well, you kind of need to be nice to people. But that's not what he's saying at all. If you go back through the Levitical laws, uh, you'll see that you were allowed to sue people what they owed you, but there was a rule that you could never take the shirt off of their back. 
that that was going too far. That was seen as an injustice to take their last piece of clothing, leaving them basically naked. That was an injustice. And uh, Jesus said, if someone is taking your coat, give them your shirt too. And this is the brilliance of Jesus' psychology here because Jesus is saying, if someone is taking your coat, uh, give them your shirt too. What he's basically saying is, is when it's the, uh, who looks bad now when it's the other person now who's breaking the law? Who looks bad now when it's the other person who's taking it too far, who's acting unjustly? Jesus is basically teaching that kindness kind of flips the table on the person and you kind of become on the offense with your kindness. When the Roman Empire conquered Israel and they occupied the city of Jerusalem in 63 uh, BC, uh, they made a whole bunch of laws outlining the terms of their occupation. And one of those laws was that a Roman soldier at any time could pick a random Jewish person and force them to carry their backpack uh, without question, but only for one mile. You could not force a random person to carry your backpack for more than one mile. That was the limit. And um, Jesus says, if someone forces you to walk a mile for them, walk two. And so now who's seen as the unjust person? Is it the silly person who walks an extra 15 or 20 minutes or the soldier who's now abusing his power? Do you understand what's going on here? Jesus is actually saying kindness is not weakness, it's strength. Listen, friends, this is the central thesis that I want you to catch today. Kindness is our divine superpower. It's what separates us from the rest of the world. It's countercultural. It's what fundamentally changes the world. It's in kindness. Intentional, born out of love for their good. That's biblical kindness. One of my favorite Christian authors is this fellow named Philip Yancey, and he recounts in one of his books the story from another book that he read uh, from this fellow named Ernest Gordon, who was a World War II prisoner, uh, and he tells his own story in this book called The Miracle on the River Kwai. And Gordon and all of his troops had been captured by the Japanese soldier in Thailand, and in their captivity, they were forced to build this railroad, including across this river, the River Kwai. And because of the, the brutality of the soldiers and the condition and the severity of everything going on, the project is said to have killed more than 80,000 men. That's how difficult this project was. And uh, the spirits and the morale of the people in the prison camp, Gordon says, were atrocious. The prisoners hated each other. They stole from one another. They mistreated one another. And Gordon said it became survival of the fittest until, until one act fundamentally changed the entire camp. He says one day, uh, the, the Japanese soldiers uh, at the end of the day were working, uh, uh, discovered that one of the, the, the shovels had gone missing. And they brought all the prisoners together in the center of the camp. And he said, one of the, sh the shovels is missing. Uh, we need to get it back uh, or we're gonna start killing you one at a time until someone confesses. And there was a pause and in just a few minutes, one guy walked forward and said, I did it, I took the shovel. And they killed him right on the spot. What happened though was later in the day, as they finished the day, the soldiers recounted the inventory and realized one of the shovels hadn't gone missing. They'd, recount, they'd miscounted all the gear. And Gordon said that one act changed everything the kingdom of God began to break out in the camp. In the midst of the hell of war, the beauty of heaven shone through. 
He describes in the rest of his book how they eventually built a church as a secret place of worship. They pooled their talents together to form a jungle university offering courses for each other in history, philosophy, and economics. They made their own art gallery. They fashioned instruments and performed classical concerts for each other. And when they were eventually released, they treated the guards who had tortured them with kindness and compassion. These prisoners had grown harsh towards one another because of the dehumanizing effects of war. But what brought their humanity back? What was it? Was it guilt? I don't think so. I think it was kindness, an intentional act born out of love for their good. Kindness is what fundamentally changes the world. Remember the random acts of kindness phenomena I mentioned earlier? It actually started in the early 1990s. Most of you in this room, I'm guessing, probably weren't even born by in this time. But it was started by this college professor of human relations. And it was his response to this recurring phrase he kept hearing on the news over and over again. They would say, it's another act of senseless violence. And the original challenge he posed to his students one day in class was, today, I'm going to commit one random act of senseless kindness. Will you? Later in an interview, he said, I thought if I took out the word violence and replaced it with the word kindness, I'd take this this well-known negative phrase and turn it into a positive phrase. And some people heard about it on the news and they eventually started a nonprofit organization whose mission it was to inspire and to organize people to practice more acts of kindness. And so now we have the Random Acts of Kindness Day. Do you know what it is? It's February 17th. It's a really good day to go buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You might get it paid for by the person in front of you. You know, but it's random. You know, in our world where our natural instinct is to return violence with violence, they last onto the divine wisdom etched into the fabric of humanity that the most powerful response to violence is not more violence, it's kindness. But the kind of biblical kindness that we're talking about is not random, isn't it? It's not uncommon, it's common. It's part of the fruit of the spirit, part of the fruit of a maturing Christ follower is that kindness is just part of who we are. So what's this look like for us today here at Collective? What's this look like? How are we gonna live this out every day? Not randomly, but actively. I've got three quick suggestions for you. Number one, get on the team here to serve at Collective. I don't know if you know this, but Collective has a great reputation in the community. They just say that the people there are so kind. And the reason they do that is because when they walk through these doors, people serve here so well at this church. And if one way that you can express your kindness is to be part of the team that makes this church what it is. And so if you wanna do that, you can meet someone at the next steps wall out after the church and say, I wanna be part of the collective team. Another way you can do that real simply is be part of this uh, grocery store buyout. What a beautiful way uh, to live out kindness is to buy some groceries for people that need groceries. Uh, That's something where you're intentionally uh, buying something born out of love for their good. It's serviceable, isn't it? Something that is good for them. I was trying to think of examples in my life of where I've seen uh, kindness, uh, biblical kindness played out, where it was intentional uh, and uh, born out of love. And I thought, I I learned this from my mom. When I was a 
middle schooler, my family started this tradition on Christmas Eve. And we would go in our, uh, upstairs to our bedrooms and we would collect all of our hand-me-down clothes that we no longer fit in. And my parents would pick out a family from our church that was struggling financially who had kids similar to the age of our three kids, two boys and a girl in that order. And we put all those, those um, clothes in, a, in bags and we would drive on Christmas Eve in the cover of darkness and we would put those clothes, the kids would put those clothes on the front porch, ring the doorbell and run. And uh, we'd get back to the car and all the way home, we'd be, we'd be giggling and talking about leaving those clothes. And, what, and it was so, made us so proud to see that family, those kids wearing those clothes at church that we, because it wasn't some random family that we donated to Goodwill, which was great, but it was intentional, born out of love, for their good. And so the question is, what kind of non-random, intentional act of kindness could you express this week? Someone in your life that you can show your love by acting for their good. What's it gonna be for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the way that you showed your kindness to us by sending your son, Jesus. And because of the way you've acted in ultimate kindness to us, we want to be the kindest people on earth. We wanna transform this community. We wanna transform the lives of every person that walks through the doors of this church because of the way we express kindness because of your kindness that we've received. And so we are trusting and and praying for your Holy Spirit to work in our lives so that the fruit of our lives would be kindness, intentional, born out of love for their good. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.